Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's bonus episode is on Black women's health. At Femtech Focus, we felt like it was our responsibility to spotlight Black women's health, given the current events in the United States. At Femtech Focus, we believe Black women's health matters. So in this bonus episode, I interviewed Dr. Tierra Richmond. Dr. Richmond is a practicing physician, professor, researcher, and founder. Dr. Richmond offers gynecological procedures, HIV prevention, and contraception management care in a private boutique practice right here in Houston, Texas, in the third ward. Femtech Focus knows there are inequalities in women's health, but we wanted to invite an expert in the field to give us the facts. We really appreciated Dr. Richmond's insights and advice on how we can all support women's health, specifically Black women's health. Hi, Dr. Richmond. Welcome to the show. Hello. I am really grateful for your time today. This is a bonus episode that we're doing in order for Femtech Focus to do our part in having the conversation around inequality in the United States and probably around the world. But today we're going to talk about the United States. And, um, you know, normally our podcast is fun and light and we laugh and, you know, we may do that today. But, um, you know, my goal today is for us to have a true dialogue about this current state of black women's health in the United States. Um, that is our lane. That is our, you know, thing we talk about. And we also want to contribute to the dialogue that's happening in the country. And so that's why we're doing this specific interview today. And I, I'm just so grateful for your time. Thank you. No, absolutely. Thank you for um, inviting me. And then also thank you for having the, um, the, the idea and to have this conversation and to truly and uh, earnestly have this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Why don't we start with your background? Tell us why you are qualified to tell us about this today. Absolutely. Um, my name is Dr. Taria Richmond. I am a board certified family medicine physician, and I um, trained at the University of Illinois uh, for medical school, and then UIC, which is a, kind of the same school but different locations, um, with my master's in public health, um, concerning community uh, community health and outreach, and so I. Came to Houston, where I reside now, uh, to do my residency at Baylor um, Community and Family Medicine. And once I finished there, I went into um, practice, mostly focusing and teaching um, women's health, um, women's health procedures, um, prenatal care, um, and general family medicine care. And I just recently opened a uh, women's center um, uh, in January. Um, and also I do some uh, women's health uh, research as well. And so I'm, I'm excited to be here. And it's my passion. Um, and, I, and I left out a main point part is that I'm the um, chief medical officer of HIV for Houston. Um, and I joined um, the organization in an effort to reach uh, women of color 
to help decrease the disparities and um, the rates of HIV, particularly in the African American community. Wow. Yeah, you are definitely the right person. Uh, we had <laughs> I had posted on my LinkedIn page that Femtech Focus wants to do a you know bonus episode specifically on Black women's health. Who should I talk to? And you were tagged immediately. And uh, based on your background, you're definitely the right woman to be speaking <laughs> with about this. Um, um, let's start with uh, the you know history of Black women's health in the United States. Tell us about um, you know where. <laughs> If even if we're not happy with where it's at today, where where were we? Okay. Oh, absolutely. So where were we? So let's start with let's start with slavery. I also wanted to say too that um, not only am I um, a physician and have this experience, I'm also a black woman. So I've had my own personal experiences, and I've done more research about the historical part of um, the disparities in uh, black women's health. So we, if we go all the way back to slavery, um, you know, we all are recommended to get our pap smear. And um, Dr. Sims um, is one of the pioneers in gynecology and women's health. Uh, but the fact of the matter is um, Dr. Sims performed um, procedures, gynecological procedures, meaning he uh, performed procedures in women's vaginas, um, particularly black women. Slaves without anesthesia, without pain medicine. Oh um, and so today, this is how we've gotten to some of um, our modern day, the pap smear, um, some of the procedures that are done in the OR. And so certainly those are contributions to um, the health of women, but it certainly was done uh, at the expense of Black women slaves. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and interestingly enough, once we got enough research, um, to to offer these procedures, he opened the hospital uh, for white women, and he gave uh, anesthesia for those procedures. Wow! So it so, wasn't like anesthesia you know, didn't exist; it was that he chose not to give these black women anesthesia. Correct, and and I want to say, you know, historically, that that the thought that black women don't experience pain or mm. are more tolerant of pain still exists today. Mm. Um, black women are more likely not to get pain control when they're in the hospital, when they're delivering babies, when they're having procedures or, mm. post, or they're post-op, um, just, just less likely to be treated for pain. And can you imagine having a procedure on our most sensitive parts of our body and not being adequately um, treated for pain? Mm. Um, and so this is something that's going on for over you know, 400 years, and we see it now. So, uh, interestingly enough, in clinic, um, I have a lot of women, a lot of black women who are like, they don't want to get a pap smear. They don't want to have to have it done at all. And I have to wonder if some of that's imprinted from, obviously, our bus, um, our experience uh, with the medical system going back to even slavery. Yeah, yeah. Because even if, you know, these women have access to anesthesia, I mean, they're coming from family generations of distrust in the medical industry. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. And we know that um, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. Um, uh, we just we see that this happens all the time, that no matter how much money you make, no matter how educated you are. Um, this has happened to even some of my doctor friends. And so it's wow. a real reality. And again, if you 
um, take away all of those things. Black women just are not um, treated uh, appropriately and adequately in comparison to their white counterparts in America. Wow. That's, I mean, it's atrocious. Um, at what point in history did, you know, black women start to get, you know, at least somewhat of the same treatment as white women would? Medical so, treatment, that um, is. Yeah. Yeah. So I hesitate to answer. I hesitated to answer that question because the truth of the matter is we're, we're not there. Yeah. Wow. We're not there. Um, again, uh, black women are three to four more times more likely to experience pregnancy related deaths than white women. Uh, white women, uh, for a multitude of reasons, uh, outlive black women by five years. Um, they live longer. Um, black women are more likely to be diagnosed with advanced uh, advanced breast cancer at the time of diagnosis. Mm. Um, and then we are 1.8 times higher than um, white women to have uh, hypertension. Um, and we see this across a different um, diagnosis, uh, cancer, uh, totally, uh, it, it's just, a, it's across the board. And I say, you know, we see people like uh, uh, Selena Williams, uh, 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 um, the uh, tennis player. player. Yeah. yeah. You know, Serena. It was Serena. Serena. Uh, Serena. Serena uh, she almost died postpartum because the doctors would not listen to her and what she was saying was going on with her body. Yeah. And I would say this across the board for any woman um, that you, you know, stand up, you know your body, and you have to advocate for yourself. And as a doctor, I would say if you don't trust the first opinion, it is totally okay to go and get a second opinion. Uh, if a doctor is offended that you're getting a second opinion, you may want to consider a different um, position. Yeah. As a black doctor, do you notice, you know, most of your patients are black because they trust you more? Or is there distrust with the medical industry, regardless of what color the doctor is? So there is mistrust um, across the medical system, no matter um, who or how the doctor looks. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that. Black people, um, Latinas, Latinos, um, Asians are more comfortable seeing someone that looks like them yeah. and has a cultural understanding of them. And so they are more likely to come to those uh, positions. However, I would say that, you know, my patients will say, well, how do you know? You know, how do you know that this medication is not going to do this to me or that to me? So they come, mm. but there's still some work that has to be done to build that a trust relationship yeah yeah they still question it right oh yeah yeah because mm -hmm. it's like well you well i mean you practice but you're a doctor so you're a little bit different yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the coat you're wearing is white and therefore yeah, i have some the questions coat you're wearing is white, so i don't know you know wow. and you see this we even see this in, in research you know just trying to because we get so much information from research and how to treat um, people that uh, we get, we don't have as many people participating, people of color participating in research for a number of reasons, but certainly because the trust, the trust issue is there. You know, we, you know, everybody hears about the Tuskegee Airmen experiment, but really people still will bring that up today and say, hey, Dr. Richmond, you know, I love you. You're a great doctor, but I'm not participating in your research study. Like, yeah. I'm just not. 
Um, I don't know, you know, what's on the other side of that. And so then that that causes or leads to disparities too, because we just don't know what things look like when it comes to people of color and certain advances in medicine and medication. That's right. We had um, Dr. Sophia Yen from Pandia Health on here talking about she has prescribed thousands of prescriptions of birth control. That's what her company's all about. It's delivery birth control. And she herself has noticed which birth control pills working better for the Asian women she has. And then the black women, like, you know, there's less complaints when she prescribes this kind. And she's like, why is there not research on here? You know, like, why do I have to figure this out? And, um, you know, and then recently I was on a panel around uh, gender bias and biomedical research and how women were not allowed to participate in clinical trials till 1994 but the question remains, well, how many of those women are of diverse backgrounds, you know, um, right. so that we're we're really taking into account the metabolism of our genetics. It is different. Mm-hmm. That is why 23andMe yep. tells you where you're from, because your our DNA is different, you know, correct. based on our yeah, where we're from. Yep. So, wow. Why? Yeah, and the, the discussion is, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah. And I was just going to say, that's a discussion that I certainly have with my patients, too, is to say, hey, this medication was done in a study, a study that did not include um, women of color, did not include black women. So I can't tell you for sure that this is going to work. So we can try it, but I can't guarantee that it's going to work. I don't know exactly if you're going to have the same side effects or not. Um, And so that's definitely a conversation that needs to be had in the I think uh, for a lot of uh, women, we kind of go in and we listen, we take what the doctor says um, at, at face value, take prescriptions mm-hmm. and not really get a true understanding of what what that looks like um, from the back end. So, yeah. no, absolutely. So, again, advocating for yourself is so important. Yes. Yes. If you're having an adverse side effect, you might actually be experiencing an adverse side effect and you should continue exactly. to tell people about it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You, um, you said the mortality rate for um, women giving birth, the maternal mortality rate for black women is higher than white women. Do we know why? So um, there's some uh, some issues with access to care. Mm-hmm. So we know that if you get into care earlier, the earlier you get into care of your pregnancy, the better you do. Um, women, uh, black women tend to get access to health care um, later, uh, later in the pregnancy. And so uh, there's things that could be going on in the pregnancy that mm. could have been caught early mm. and um, intervention done prior to, you know, later on in the pregnancy. Uh, we also see a lot of um, pre, uh, predisposing uh, medical problems that can uh, cause complications of pregnancy. And so it's really important. And you may not even know that you may be uh, pre-diabetic or diabetic mm-hmm. or have or you know born on the verge of having high blood pressure and you're pregnant and this has been has not been discovered because you haven't been to the doctor but that leads to um our our institution where uh i don't know if you see my instagram but right up public health is a, is a racism issue right because mm-hmm. if, if i don't have access to a doctor readily or i don't trust the system and the doctors that are around me uh, I'm not going to those doctors, or I don't even know. Hey, you really if you're pregnant? You know, you should probably go now. Um, that is an issue with access to healthcare, yeah. and so we don't have providers that are in the community that are available 
which happens, then it, it leads to problems later on. And then during actual deliveries, um, they, again, when we talk about um, the patient saying, hey, I'm having this symptom or, hey, I'm having pain in a weird place, this doesn't feel right. And the, the providers are, uh, the doctors are not listening, mm-hmm. which is, again, um, a form of bias and or possibly discrimination. It leads to complications um, during the pregnancy. And then certainly we sometimes forget about the postpartum period where um, patients are sent home too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, if they leave and they come back and they have a complaint that is not uh, recognized and then they go home and have complications and or die. This is, this is what's happening, and it's just happening more to um, Black women. Wow. And when you say access to care um, or lack of access to care, you know, I imagine there's like the physical lack of access based on what Black women's, you know, work is, you know, and it, can she take off and can she get there and, Correct. you know, and um, child care for her other kids potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also yeah. there's like the lack of OB-GYNs in the neighborhood. Is that also the mm-hmm. lack of access? Yes. And then lastly, yes. is it that um, insurance too? Is insurance have something to do with this, with the lack of access? Uh- Absolutely. Yeah. So we, um, as, as Black people actually have um, a less a percentage of us are insured. Wow. So that's a whole nother mm-hmm. um, uh, gap that has not been closed. Um, if you don't have insurance, then you may have to get on a, um, a government program. And so for some people being able to get those applications done, it's just, it's a lot that goes in between that. Yeah. Um, I do a, uh, I do a telecontraception program with UT. Um, the, the name of the organization is called Own Every Piece. And so the goal is to get women access to reproductive and sexual health mm-hmm. uh, and, and to a doctor. And so we've been doing it via telemedicine. And you, you would imagine how many people, especially in this time of COVID, COVID, have lost their jobs because a lot of Black people and Latinas, Latinos are in service industries yes. and have either, either have to work or uh, have lost their jobs and don't have insurance. So can you imagine that you, you lose your job and you were supposed to get your intrauterine device replaced wow. or you're due for your next depot shot or you're pregnant? Um, and wow. so, yeah, this it's, it's really... Um, it's been highlighted, especially with COVID. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this it's unprecedented how many people are unemployed right now. And because we live in a country where employment is tied to your insurance, it's, yes. oh my gosh, not, it's not, a, not enough to, you know, you don't have enough money to get food or transportation or your home, but then you also mm-hmm. can't go to the doctor. Like it's, it's Correct. insult to injury. Um, I wanted to bring something up that I've I've never read about. You know, when I was making up these questions, it kind of came up and I said, well, let me ask it. Every time I've ever seen my OB-GYN, there is posters of like pregnant women. You can see in her belly and there's like um, vulva models, you know, uterus models. And they've always Mm -hmm. had white skin on, you know, (laughs) perceived on the outside on the poster and the model. Is that just because of where I was going? Like, or is that like across the board? Like they only make them in white models because there's definitely black <laughs> women with uteruses and babies, you know? Right. So like, wh- who's no, making absolutely. them? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So the, the, the interesting, the interesting part about that is it is true, right? So I have to, if I'm looking for culturally sensitive, culturally relevant health information, I have to look for it. Yeah. It doesn't just, you know, jump out on. So for you to be able to recognize that, it is true. So we see this in general. We see it in media. We see it in print. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it on television. We see it on social media. That um, and it, it, it's really, and this is my opinion, it says that your value, your uterus is more valuable to the people that we're marketing to than mine. Yeah. And that's, you know, absolutely certainly not true. So it, with um, AIDS Foundation, we, we have to, when we're looking at our marketing, we have to say, hey, no, go back. We need not just um, black faces, but we need a range of hues because we come in so many different hues. But you can, you can imagine how biased people are, even within our own um, mm-hmm. community, where light is better. Light mm-hmm. is better because you're closer to white complexion than if you're my complexion or darker. So it's, it, it's a whole thing, even within our own community yeah. um, that we still have to face. And that, and that goes back to slavery as well. Yeah. And so that's still something that we have to work on. But no, there is, there are other models, um, uh, pamphlets, information that is culturally sensitive. And, is, and it really is up to the provider, the doctor, the office manager to find those resources mm-hmm. and have them available in the office. Yeah. And this is, you know, if this has taught us anything, it's about intentionality. You know, are you being intentional? Yes. Um, you know, we had a, a, a woman named Bree on here a few episodes ago with Baskin Being, and she's a black woman. And when we invited her to be on the show, she actually emailed me and said, hey, I think what you're doing is great. But when I looked at your website, you and your co-founder are white what are you doing to empower women of color as well? And I loved that email because she knew that her time was precious and she only wanted to give her time to people who were fighting her cause too. Right. And like being aware. And I wrote her back this long email. I was like, this is amazing question. And I told her about all of our interns and how we have, you know, three different Asian interns and a Mexican intern. And we have middle Eastern, um, who's a male advisor. And I was just like going and I said, you know, we have diversity in sexualities. We have diversity in, you know, different like mental wellness stuff. I was like, but I really appreciate this and we need to put our interns on the website, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, it's about intentionality, you know? And so for me, the intentionality is to needing to show those, my whole team Mm -hmm. on the website and stuff. Right. So we need to be intentional about which models, we're purchasing because yes. it matters. And I, and I, I will say that I accepted the interview because of the goal. Mm. When I got the email about what the goal was, mm-hmm. I said, okay, absolutely. This is what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. We should be using our platforms to have an opportunity to be intentional, to educate and to understand better what we can do. And I love your question. And I know we're going to get to it um, shortly. But you did ask, what can Femtech Focus do, right? Yeah. And so that's that's so, so important. Um, and obviously, you've done your, your own research and thought through some things as, you, as your day-to-day has gone. And so that's what means the most, that mm. you genuinely are working to use your platform to make change. 
That's right. And you're intentional about it. So I, I applaud you for that. Um, and if I can be of any help in any way, I am certainly available. I love this. I love having this <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and helping to, to represent um, uh, my community as well. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. Let, we have a few more questions that I'm so excited sure. to get to. I serious, I mean, really, this has been a, a very meaningful conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. Um, our next Great. question is, uh, do black women experience certain illnesses or biological phases differently than other races? And I'll give you some examples. We've had some people come on and briefly touch on endometriosis symptoms are, you know, either worse or higher rates in black women, but they didn't, weren't able to go any further than that. Or we've had some menopause people come on saying, well, black women are, um, more likely to have hot flashes than like Asian women. But, you know, can we dig into that? Are there other examples and tell me more about that? Yes, so absolutely. So with um, endometriosis, uh, fibroids, uh, PCOS, that's polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, are all, uh, we see those more, those diagnoses more often in Black women, uh, particularly fibroids. We're still trying to figure out why, what, what are fibroids and where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. But, um, and let me just say this, um, so I don't want to assume that everybody knows what that is. So fibroids are a uh, non-cancerous growth, um, some people say tumor, uh, on the uterus. And they can be on the inside of the uterus, they can be on the outside of the uterus, and they cause um, significant, uh, can cause significant uh, cramping with the menstrual cycles, um, heavy menstrual cycles that can eventually lead to anemia and sometimes can cause problems with fertility. Mm. And so um, we know that uh, women of color, black women in particular, um, have more uh, more fibroids, larger fibroids, and are being uh, seen and evaluated and treated for those uh, later than other um than other races uh, per se. And so, uh, again, we don't know. And a lot of that is because it goes back to my statement before, a lot of us experience this, but we're not participating in research Mm. and we don't have all the true answers. Uh, Menopause as well, uh, hot flashes are very common, um, as well as uh, depression, um, anxiety, mood changes that come with uh, uh, menopause and I will say for my patients, what I've noticed is that they're not, they're not having that conversation. Um, if you don't ask certain mm-hmm. questions, it, they're not necessarily forthcoming and say, I'm having these issues, uh, particularly if it pertains to sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would want women, particularly Black women, to be more empowered when it comes to their sexual health um, and what's bothering them. Because these are there are real diagnoses that we just experience more often than other uh, other women. Yeah. Wow. Again, going back to that research and the the biases in research and the findings. Um, mm-hmm. There. Speaking of research, you have published a lot. You are a very accomplished, amazing as a as a fellow scientist. Oh, I was like, dang look at all these publications. <laughs> like, um, and there was one that had to do with, um, different communities perceiving the cervical cancer vaccine differently. I have never heard of this. Why don't you walk us through what, why did, why is that a, a thing that you researched and what was your finding? Yes. So, at, um, at the time I was in, um, graduate school, 
uh, focusing on my master's with Master's of Public Health. And um, well, actually, for that study, that was actually medical school. I was in medical school, and that's when the vaccination pretty much hit the market, mm. and it was starting to be um, advertised to the women of color and their daughters. And so there was research that showed that, well, one, that there's mistrust, and then that uh, moms were like, oh, no, a vaccination that has to do with sex? Like, no, my daughter is not getting uh, it. And at that point, they hadn't even uh, started uh, offering it to boys. Yeah. And so in my research, what we, what we found, and it was basically a literature review, was that um, Black women and Latinas were very opposed to the HPV vaccination. And it wasn't because they were concerned about the side effects more. It was because they were more concerned about this giving their daughters permission to have sex. Oh, that's an important fact. It's not that like black people hate vaccines. That is not the thing. No, it's that's totally not true. Yeah. Yes. And so because it was thought, okay, well, if you get HPV, that's the human papillomavirus, Mm -hmm. that's the virus that can make your uh, cervix change and can cause cervical cancer. If it's sexually transmitted, then I'm giving my child permission to have sex. And it is indicated at that time, 11 years old, I'm not giving my child that. I'm not giving them permission to have sex rather than thinking about it as a cervical cancer prevention. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what, what that language looks like. And so you have to be, when you're serving certain populations, you have to be cognizant of these um, thought and thought process. Yeah. Do, and this is purely, I have like curiosity, like, is there more stigma in black families for parents talking to their kids about sex than in white families? Cause white parents gave their 11 year old daughters the vaccine. Right. And it had mm-hmm. impl- implied sex. Right. So yes. it, is there a difference there culturally? So, um, I wouldn't, I, I don't know as far as the actual research on this, mm-hmm. but I do know from that, from that work research and from being a black a black woman who was once a black girl, um, we just don't necessarily have those conversations, mm-hmm. at least for the generations prior to myself um, and going back. We, we just don't talk about sex. And with the, with a preteen, no, 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 no. You save yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and just wait. And so a lot of young people will get the information from their friends now the, the mm-hmm. internet and Google. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me as a parent, I have two boys. Um, I have to have those conversations with them because if, if I don't, they're going to get that information from somewhere else. Yeah. And, and we don't want that. We need factual information. So, but there, there is some level of uh, discomfort uh, about the discussion about sex uh, in the black community. Mm. Bless all the femtech founders that have children. Bless the children because we're going to tell them about vulvas and ovaries <laughs> from a very young age. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, no, absolutely, it's important. It's yes, important. yes, it is. <laughs> um, you had another paper that I thought was very interesting, and actually, our my co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakim, is interested in this, but in the Hispanic community. So, uh, you did research around nutrition and health in different communities and how it affects girls and women's health. So, why don't you tell us more about what you found there? Sure. So, um, the study was just looking at um, access 
when we think about food and um, how we how we look at body image. And there's different. Um, I don't know if you've heard these before, but uh, it's it's acceptable to be um, obese because we consider that thick uh-huh. or healthy. Um, and so if you're, I know when I was in college, I, I didn't gain the freshman 15. I lost the freshman 15. <laughs> and my mother, she was like, what is wrong? Are you, are you okay? Is everything okay? Are you eating? Yeah. Like, and I technically was overweight when I went. Yeah. So our thought patterns behind that is totally different yeah. than a lot of other cultures. And that best stands for the Latina community as well. But we also know that there are um, food deserts um, and a mm-hmm. lot of black people, Latina or Latino communities are food deserts. Meaning you don't have access to uh, healthy food options. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have, there's also lack of green space to exercise, to go out and mm-hmm. walk, to go out and ride your bike. And so that influences uh, our levels of overweight and obesity. And we know that long term, that can lead to other medical problems. So there's two things. So there's a kind of positivity, like, oh, you know, I'm thick, I look good. Mm-hmm. And then there's another part of it where access is truly an issue. So that's what we found in that study as well. Wow. Interesting. It's, you know, these it's the different layers, right? We can talk about America is obese, but when you dig into it and you look in the different lenses, it's like, well, these people are obese because of this. These people are obese, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and you know, I tell I tell my patients too. I say, okay, so we use the BMI, right? So the BMI um, body mass index, however, was not developed with us in mind. Uh, it's uh, not developed with. Latinas and Black women in the mix of coming up with that equation. However, I say, okay, so this may be, we can give or take a little bit, but if your BMI, you know, was almost 25 and yours is 40, like there's no give or take. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The standard deviation on that is a little tighter. Yeah. Like like, you got to give a little bit on the standard deviation. And if you're way out here, you're way too far. But Having doctors that will have that conversation with you is so important. And we're seeing that a lot of times those conversations are not being had. Um, It's just, okay, well, you have these problems. Here's your prescription, and I'll see you back in three months. Mm -hmm. And so we got to start looking at how how we are trained as providers. And Mm -hmm. as doctors, what are we learning about uh, our cultures, different cultures, um, different social economic status, different genders, and how are we um, addressing those patients when we see them? Yeah. And doctors can't do it all because what I was thinking is like doctors need to be petitioning to the city that there needs to be more green space and vegetables mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. neighborhood. But y'all are yeah. busy. <laughs> like there yeah. needs to be another group of people fighting that fight, right? So that you get less right. patients in with high BMIs and therefore be- worse symptoms of COVID, like all the things, right? Like all the yes. things. So there, it's going to take an army of us to make any change here, right? Um, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, Wait, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that African proverb says that it takes a village. It really does. It really, really does. Yes. 
I'm just grateful that village is starting to become more diverse and more white, you know, on, on the news, they're saying they, they, we've never seen as many white people standing up for the black lives matter move. And so hopefully that village is, is now big enough and loud enough that we're truly, truly moving along, you know, hopefully. Absolutely. And, and I'm hoping too, that as, as time goes on, that we don't kind of filter down, Mm -hmm. that we don't dilute out and that's for everyone but that that we just continue. So even for Femtech Focus, that we we have this conversation now, we see change and we see um, long-term change. I think it's it's really, really important to just keep that in mind, that we keep, you know, fighting the good fight, even when the pressure has kind of, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we got past that. Yeah. So no, no, no. That this is until we see like true, true change. Yeah. Um. I think we'll have a time to be able to relax, but we don't. I don't know how long that's gonna be, but um, I would encourage um, uh, white counterparts, Caucasian counterparts, to know that this is not a fight that's just now. Mm-hmm. That it's gonna stand for a long time. Because think about how this is. Different things have been going on for the past 400 years. So it's going to take a long time to kind of reverse some of that. And we need allies and we need um, uh, people to stand uh, with us so that we can make this happen. Well, I will put you on a rotation every quarter. (laughs) You come back on, okay? What are you talking about? (laughs) Bringing it back up, y'all. Bringing it back up. (laughs) Still important. Um, Well, we can virtually shake on it. Yeah. Well, speaking <laughs> of like what we can do, right? So Femtech Focus, you know, um, my social media coordinator, you know, she, when they had that blackout Tuesday, she was like, should we do it? And I said, you know, um, as a, you know, new nonprofit, we need to stay in our lane, but we also need to honor our values. And so I said, you know, our yes. best move is all week, we're going to post articles about black women's health. We're going to find mm-hmm. someone who can tell us the numbers and the statistics and the stories yeah. and we're going to get them on. And so like, that was our movement. But what do you, what do you, would you have to say to everyone listening? Like what are other things that femtech companies, women's health and wellness companies can be doing to, you know, further the cause and, and decrease the inequality that black women face? Absolutely. Absolutely. So certainly um, speaking up, um, is one. So in your own personal life, in your, 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 when you're with your peers, your family, people that are around you, who you, you realize now, or maybe you knew all along, but realize even now that, okay, that's not kosher. Like what you just said is not appropriate mm-hmm. and having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just even just in general. Uh, and then also looking at uh, our own, or your own innate biases that maybe you didn't even know that you had mm-hmm. um, and addressing those, you know, personally. Yep. And then as, a, as an organization, um, certainly you have, certainly you have diversity. And I would say keep um, focusing on that with diversity. And then if you're looking at um, FemTech Focus and bringing in more uh, members that are black and in the sciences, because we are out here. Mm-hmm. We, we are we are out here. We have a voice. We have ideas. We have innovations. And sometimes we just don't know which way to go with it mm-hmm. or who to share it with or who mm-hmm. we can trust. Yeah. So being that trusted organization that I can say, hey, Brittany, I had this great idea. Like, how, how do I go about this? Which I do, and I do want to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> how do I go <laughs> yeah. about this, right? <laughs> how do I go about this? 
and and know that it's not going to be because uh, again we're going back to trust uh-huh. that it's not going to be hijacked yep, right yep. and so um offering those and maybe even uh offering a I, I would say like a, a scholarship but not a scholarship or um, an opportunity for a black female to come in and maybe pitch their idea yes. um to, yes. to, to, yeah, to give someone a chance because a lot of times we don't have that access. We don't have the chances that our white counterparts have. That's right. So those are some things that I think will definitely make a difference. And then certainly with your, your social media, just keep amping it up and staying consistent. Like I said, even when the pressure is on, keep, keep, uh, keep representing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Do you think that there could be femtech companies and technology specifically for the black women community that, you know, that would be useful rather than, no. you know, people just trying to make one product for all women of all colors. Cause we just talked about how mm-hmm. we are different in certain ways. Right. Mm-hmm. So what do you mm-hmm. think about that? No, absolutely. Because again, if we go back and look at the science, it's even some, the science of um, our bodies, um, there's, there's things that vaginally that we experience more mm-hmm. than um, uh, our white counterparts, our Latinas, our Asian. And so even something like that, I think, will be uh, amazing. And certainly, like I said, I do want to talk to you about that offline. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there's definitely, a, I think there's room for it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're wrapping up our, our interview. And again, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, yeah. I took this very seriously. I was very mindful about my questions. You know, listeners, before we started recording, I said, are my questions offensive? Please tell me. I don't know what I'm unbiased about. Like I truly am here as a student, like trying to just open dialogue. Um, So thank you so much for being, you know, open to have this conversation with me. I did want to just like pass the torch and let you say if there was any like last words you wanted our listeners to know in terms of this bonus Black Women's Health episode. So um, concerning this bonus Black Women's episode, um, Black Women's Health is women's health, mm. right? Um, we, are, we are different in many ways, but in many mm. ways we're the same. Yes. And representation matters. I would say to uh, Black women who are listening and to our counterparts who, who maybe have not had the Black experience or have not uh, been aware of what all Black women go through when it comes to their health, be educated and speak up. Advocate. Advocate for yourself and advocate for those around you. Mm-hmm. So that's my my last words. And uh, again, I'm Dr. Taria Richmond, also known as your Total Health Doctor. And I guess I'll see you all on next quarter. That's right. <laughs> I'll talk with you all next quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Taria Richmond. Femtech Focus is trying to do our part to contribute to the conversation around inequality in our country. Black women are dying at higher rates. There's a horrific history of mistreatment of Black people by the medical community. To date, there is still mistrust between the Black community and doctors. Due to inequalities in food and OB-GYN deserts, This lack of access hinders Black women's health, and as a result, Black women in America on average do not live as long as white women. Black women's health is women's health, and representation matters. If you're a femtech founder, ask yourself if your product is culturally sensitive. If your marketing images include women of color, 
Are you getting your product and your apps to women in communities that are often overlooked? As a femtech community, we can do our part to end injustices in our health and wellness systems and empower Black women. If you want to learn more about Dr. Richmond and her research, visit her website, yourtotalhealthdoctor.com. Support the Femtech Focus podcast by sharing it with your network. Subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on social media at Femtech Focus. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode highlighting Black women's health in America. Let's keep the conversation going and start taking more action.